Like you, I'm sure, I love a journey. In fact, Josie and I, our honeymoon was a caravan trip down to Wilson's Promontory in southern Victoria. That was our honeymoon. And uh, it worked out a little bit better than Desi and Lucy most of the time. And uh, journeys, journeys have always been a part of our life. We, we love it. We've always been taking the kids away on journeys here and there. We, for our uh, 30th anniversary, we, we journeyed around Europe. And uh, a few years ago, we took a little journey across to a tropical island in the Caribbean called Haiti. It was a good little journey as well. But, you know, whether we are, our journey takes us around the world, or whether it's our journeys lived out here in Ipswich for the whole of our life, every one of us here is on a journey. Amen? And that journey is what's called life. And every one of us is on it. The geographical aspect, I said, doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter where we are living that out. The most important thing is, is that we are, have God in our journey. God in our journey. Now, of course, in the broader sense, we can't keep God out of our journey. As David said, I go to the depths of the sea, God is there. I go to the highest mountain, God is there. God is going to be there anyway, but how much are we involving God in the journey? That's what we want to look at this morning. And uh, when it comes to our journey, it's so important, obviously, that we become people of faith, that we are people of faith. The scripture says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. I know we've all know that scripture. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So as we're looking today at this journey, we are looking at a journey of faith. What does that look like? Before we go much further, I want to answer the question, what are we talking about when we talk about faith? We're in a, we're in a series about faith. Or what is faith? Well, when this, uh, the verses we're looking at today in the, the New Testament, these verses in Hebrews were first written, the, uh, there, was a, there was a Greek and a Hebrew mindset concerning faith. And the, the Greek mindset just meant mental assent. It means I agree with something, I believe in it, and therefore it can be said that I have faith. Now in James chapter 2, the Bible tells us that that's the very kind of faith that demons have. Demons believe in God. They believe in God. But it's not of any benefit to them. It's not changing their life. It's not doing anything positive for them. But they believe in God. That's a kind of faith. Just believing something is faith in that Greek sense. But there's another sense. There's the, the faith in the Hebrew mind. And faith to the Hebrew mind meant mental assent plus behaviour. Mental assent plus behaviour, plus lifestyle. Talking about our heart and our hands. It's like Pastor Carl was just talking about vision builders. We could sit there and say, oh, yeah, that is great. I believe in that. I believe in that. What a great idea to have a facility here that can reach the community that is fantastic. I agree with that 100%, Pastor Carl. I believe that with all my heart. But then we don't do anything about it. That's the faith of demons, dare I say. It's the same faith as demons. 
that I believe something, but my hand does not go anywhere with what I believe. And obviously that's not where we want to head as Christians. That's a kind of faith that's, that's throughout the world, in just about, well, everybody in, in one area or another, but we want to be on that. We want to connect our heart with our hands. There's a little photo we have up here of, uh, that's actually a Blondin, if you didn't know, and walking across the, the tightrope there over Niagara Falls with a wheelbarrow and a very trusting lady. See, mental faith, that Greek form of faith says, yeah, I, I believe that you can walk across in a, with a wheelbarrow. I believe, yes, Mr Blondin, I believe that you can, you can walk across the waterfall on the tightrope with a wheelbarrow. I believe that with all my heart. Lifestyle says, faith says, I not only believe that you can do it, but I'll get in the wheelbarrow and you can wheel me across. I'm not saying I'd want to do that, by the way, but, um, but that's the difference. It's not just saying I believe something, but my belief is now going to take me somewhere. I'm going to do something with my faith. Now, the first kind of faith is just mentally believing something is almost irrelevant in our life. It's just purely conceptual. It doesn't, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't have any ultimate impact on our life. But the second kind of faith, this, this life-shaping faith, is a totally different thing altogether. It's a kind of faith the Bible talks about concerning the people of God. It's the kind of faith that God wants us to be involved in. Belief plus action. And it's that kind of faith that determines whether a church like Catalyst will impact its community or whether we'll be just a nice group of people meeting together, agreeing about certain things concerning God. It's very different. The two kinds of faith are very different. It's a kind of faith that determines whether our journey with God, our walk with God, is, is fulfilling and, and joyful or frustrating and ineffective. That's the difference it can make in our lives. It's not a small thing. It's not an insignificant thing. It's a huge thing in our life. And that's why, that's why the Bible tells us without faith, it's impossible to please God, without that second kind of lifestyle faith. We've been looking at the past few weeks at uh, the faith of Caleb with Pastor Philip and then last week uh, the faith of John the Baptist with Pastor Carl. And... Uh, you couldn't look at the lives of those two men and miss the point that the, the, the faith that they had was the lifestyle kind of faith. It was a faith that impacted them and it was a faith that impacted others. Amen? That's what the kind of faith that, that these guys had. So today we want to open up uh, Abraham's story. And uh, it's a great place to go to see what a journey of true faith in God looks like. And we've got a little map there of um, Abraham's physical journey that he took from Ur and eventually all the way down to Egypt. And uh, even though this journey, even though this life of faith took place some 4,000 years ago, it is still one that we as 21st century Christians 
should emulate, should take lessons from, should apply in our life as well. The Bible says that he's the spiritual, uh, our spiritual mentor, our spiritual father, our spiritual example. In Romans 4.16 we read, Therefore the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. And in Galatians 3, 6, verse 6 and verse 7 and 9 says, Consider Abraham, he believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Clearly there's something about Abraham that, we've, that we can learn from, that we can take lessons from, apply to our life and it will make a difference. So in Hebrews 11 and verse 8 to 19, we have a, a summary of the, uh, the life of Abraham, just in a summary form, along with some other heroes of faith. And uh, we're specifically going to be looking at um, verse 8 through 19 and drawing some of those verses out. But as we look at some of these verses, I want you to consider, I want you to think about how... Uh, you can have a faith that's truly authentic in your life. That's what the word I'm going to use, is having an authentic faith. Applying it to this lifestyle faith I'm talking about. Faith that changes you and changes others as well. Faith that genuinely engages you in a journey with the God of the universe. Because I'm sure that's what you want. You're not just satisfied with coming here and, and sitting in air-conditioned comfort and just going home again and coming back next week and doing the same again, but it not impacting your life. I know that's not what you want for your life. I know you want to be on the journey with God. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Before I go on any further, I need to say this, maybe for the sake of some, some people here who need to hear this, is that the start of this genuine and authentic faith journey is commitment to Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. That's the beginning of the journey. Jesus died on Calvary's cross to pay the price for our sins. Faith in what Jesus did for all of us is the beginning point of everything I talk about today. If you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, if you've never made that, that step of commitment to Jesus Christ, then I encourage you to do that today. I encourage you not to leave this place today. Don't leave the property until you've spoken to somebody about meeting Jesus Christ as your Lord. And there's any number of people who will talk to you, pray with you, uh, Pastor Carl, myself, people who've brought you along today maybe. Don't leave this place without speaking to somebody about knowing Jesus. Now, of course, the reality is that perhaps all of us have already made that commitment. We've already come to Christ. We have a desire to follow him. We have a desire to be on the journey with God. We want to have an authentic faith. Well, I just want to draw out some, some elements of what that authentic faith looks like from this story of Abraham. And we're not going to 
take a long time on any of them. We're just going to be touching mountaintops with them, obviously. But I just want you to, to listen to these points and, in a sense, do a, do a mental analysis of your life and say, well, how is this matching up with where I'm at? So the first thing I see in this authentic faith is that authentic faith involves obedience. Verse 8 and verse 17 of Hebrews chapter 11 says this. First, first, verse 8. By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. He obeyed and went even though he didn't know where he was going. And verse 17 says, By faith Abraham, uh, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Now, Abraham had no idea, really, what God was calling him to, where he was calling to, what he was calling him to, but he just obeyed. And, and lordship has a natural implication of obedience. As you've probably heard people say before, we can't really say, no, Lord. Otherwise, he's not Lord. And so, obedience comes together with our faith. Faith involves obedience. You can't separate the two in the, where we're talking about this sense of faith. In Matthew 7 and verse 21, Jesus said this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So we can't separate faith from obedience. Am I saying that we're going to obey correctly all the time? We're going to get it right? Of course not because we are still all working through the sin factor in our lives. But we need to have a heart to obey, a heart that's willing to go and do what God calls us to do. Peter and the other apostles, great examples of faith, uh, affirmed that obedience to God takes precedence over obedience to man. They were faced with situations where, where they were told, don't preach Jesus' name, don't do this and for the gospel, and they said, well, we can't obey you because we've got to obey Jesus. And the reason why uh, faith is, is so often seen as obedience is because we do not usually know the full implications of our obedience. Paul didn't know what was going to happen to him in Jerusalem. He just knew that he had to go. He was given a bit of a hint that it wasn't going to be so good even. But he didn't know the full implications. But he, he just knew he had to go. Abraham wouldn't have known initially uh, what God would require of him in offering up his son Isaac. What a scary lesson of obedience that is. But actually, if you go back to Genesis 22 and look at that account, you'll see Abraham, as a man of faith, actually had an inkling of what God might do. Because when he goes to sacrifice uh, uh, Isaac and he leaves his servant, he says, the boy and I are going to go and offer the sacrifice and then we will return to you. So he knew, as a man of faith, he knew God was going to do something. I'm going to sacrifice Isaac, but the boy and I are going to come back somehow. I don't know how, but it's going to happen. It's faith. God normally only shows us the way to the next corner. You notice that? He rarely shows us what's around the bend, does he? That's where faith comes in. 
and even with what Pastor Carl was talking about, vision builders. When we make our pledge to vision builders, do we know what's going to happen in the next five years? Do you know what's going to happen with your job? Do you know what's going to happen with your health? Do you know what's going to happen with other pressures that come, that the, the car explodes or something? We don't know those things, we, but we take a step of faith. We just obey God at that point and then we trust him as we go on. So authentic faith involves obedience, but authentic faith can also be a risky thing. In verse 9, we read of Hebrews 11, By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Living in tents is an analogy to us. It was real for them. They actually lived in tents. But we don't. Well, someone here maybe does. I don't. But it's an analogy. It's an it's analogy about having a loose hold on the things of this world, on our surroundings, on our material comforts, being available to God, being prepared to take action without regard for what we have to give up. I think of people like Elisha um, in 1 Kings 19, when uh, Elijah came and literally tapped him on the shoulder and uh, he left what he had and he went to follow after Elijah. The same could be said of the disciples who Jesus called them and, and straight away they left um, the known, the familiar, the safe and they went and followed Jesus. I'll tell you, it's almost impossible to be a man and woman of faith if you're constantly hedging your bets against missing out on something if you follow God. If that's your mindset, well, you'll go some way in the journey of faith, but you'll never quite get exactly where God wants to take you if you're hedging your bets. If you're saying, well, I'm not sure if, you know, I want to go that far with God. Well, how far do you want to go with God? How far is acceptable to you in your journey with God? Jesus encouraged us not to allow the fear of what we might miss out on to keep us back. He said in uh, Matthew 10, 39, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, faith is often tested when we when we're encouraged to step out of the status quo. You know, sometimes we battle our families in following after God. Because they say, oh, why do you want to do that? You've got a nice house and you're secure and you've got a good job. Why would you want to go to the mission field? Why would you want to enter into that kind of a, a thing? What about your kids? What about their schooling? What about... And it's not just the mission field, it can be anything. It can be any extension of faith that God calls us to. The mission field is not the be-all and end-all of faith walk, right? We understand that, don't we? That's a specific call. It's not, it's not the, the big deal, if you like. It's not the, 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 uh, the uh, zenith of Christian service. It's just an element. But, but, you know, sometimes if you want to step out in God, even your, your, even your Christian family can try and keep you back. Because they're concerned for you. You might lose something in this endeavour. 
Now, let me say, it's very important to say this, that faith, uh, authentic faith is not risk-taking for the sake of it. It's not for the, not for the thrill of it, you know? Often when we're young, I think, and I don't want to discredit the young, but I'm thinking I used to be young and I remember. But, you know, we say, well, God, send me to Somalia. Whoa, it's so dangerous. I want to do something dangerous for God. And it's not just young people who sometimes think like that, sometimes it's adults. But that's not a good reason to go because somewhere's dangerous. I went, we went to a dangerous place. Haiti's a dangerous place. Port-au-Prince... Port-au-Prince is the uh, suburbs of Port-au-Prince are the most dangerous non-war zone areas of the world. But I didn't go there to see if I could hack, if I could make it in a dangerous place. I avoided the danger as much as I could. Every time I saw danger, I would usually go the other way. So it's not just taking risks for the sake of risk taking. You know, in fact. When God really calls us, it's often with trepidation that we're stepping out. Saying, oh, God, you're going to have to make this clear. You're going to have to make a way because I'm pretty worried about doing this. That's more likely to be real faith than just someone who just says, well, Somalia looks dangerous. I think I'll go there. That's not what we're talking about. Another point about authentic faith is it values eternal things. It values eternal things. In verse 10, and uh, I'll read from verse 10, verse 13 and verse 16. 10, 13 and 16. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. Verse 16. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. He has prepared a city for them. That, those verses speak to me of uh, pursuing what God is building in our life in the light of eternity. You know, authentic faith desires to see that the the building in our life of whatever is important to God. It's this vision for God's eternal purposes that inspires us to, to step out beyond just worldly wisdom and worldly comforts. You know, I remember when I was, in, when I was a teacher in school and, in, and uh, a superannuation person came to us and convinced us that by the time I retired... I needed to have one and a half million dollars in the bank to survive. Otherwise, I wasn't going to survive. Now, I'm all for financial planning. But that is fear-mongering, folks. That's anti-faith. As if I need to have one and a half million dollars in the bank in my rapidly coming retirement years. Of course I don't. But this is the kind of worldly wisdom that we're fed. And I'm not anti-planning, I'm not anti-responsibility. Don't mishear me. I believe in all those things. But I also think the wisdom of the world often goes to diametrically against the wisdom of God. And God is sovereign. He's over all that stuff anyway. 
In scriptures like Revelation 21, God gives us an incredible faith picture of the future. He talks about the new heavens and the new earth and how wonderful those things are to keep us from being discouraged in the present. Has anybody ever get discouraged in the present? Anyone? Me and that fellow up the back and that's it and those three of us. The rest of it, you pray for us, please. Um, but God gives us these, these pictures in the scripture of what it's going to be like, the glory of the eternal things. To say, hey, don't put all your eggs in this basket. What's coming is, is, is far greater. The eternal promises of God. 2 Corinthians uh, 4 verse 16 to 18 says this, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And if Paul's able to call his troubles light and momentary, then I think we can buy into that and say, well, we can cope with that too. Because I'm sure, and I'm not diminishing what anybody's struggles have been, I'd say Paul's were up the scale a bit, probably. But certainly when I look at my own life, I haven't been through what Paul went through. And he says, light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. And even in the building of the complex, yeah, we'll be able to see that, but the focus of that is not on the seen, it's on the unseen. It's on the spiritual lives of the people who are going to be touched. And that's what true faith is all about. We're not slow to appreciate and give thanks for what we have here now. I think that's very important. It's right to be thankful and appreciative of God's material blessing. It's, you don't have to shun the fact that you're living in a nice house. You can be grateful to God for that. But if God ever called us and said, I want you to sell that, I want you to leave that, and I want you to do something else, then I pray we'd be prepared to do that, able to do that. We're thankful for what we have, but we look beyond that and say, but we know, God, there's, there's much, much more. Next, authentic faith sees beyond impossibilities. Sees beyond impossibilities. In uh, Hebrews 11 and verse 11 and 12, we read, By faith Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. That's a great thing for someone to say about you, isn't it? As good as dead. <laughs> I wonder if he'll, uh, Abraham will have a chat to the writer of Hebrews when he sees him. I'm sure he's already seen him. Abraham's story is well known on account of the miraculous story of Isaac's birth. He's 99 and Sarah's 90. Kids are out of the picture. I won't ask for a show of hands of any 90-year-olds here and ask if they're looking for their next child. Um, I doubt it. But uh, that's, what, that's what happened here for them. And true faith sees beyond impossibilities. Jesus' ministry repeatedly demonstrated God's ability to go beyond what is possible in the natural. Amen? He did it again and again. Here's a great example. In John 11, verse 38 to 40, 
Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, she said this, by this time there is a bad odour. In one of the other versions it said, he stinketh, Lord. So it literally said, he stinketh. <laughs> For it has been there four days. But then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? You know, dead and decaying in the grave is about as bad as it gets. About as impossible as it gets. But Jesus enters into that and he says, well, I don't care about the circumstance. Come out. Come out, Lazarus. And you know why he said, come forth, Lazarus, don't you? Because if he hadn't been specific, they all would have come out. Right? He didn't want any confusion. He said, come forth, Lazarus. And he did. He did. Now, as I said regarding, you know, taking risks, authentic faith is not just believing the impossible for the sake of it. That's presumption. And we're not into that. We're not into presumption, just believing for the impossible for the sake of it. But it's deciding to believe God's voice, even though the thing that he's speaking seems impossible. That's the difference. Not just saying, oh, what can I believe it's impossible? You know, I sometimes hear that preaching, and I'm, I must admit, I don't warm to it very well, where people say, well, just believe something that's impossible. Well, you're setting yourself up for something. And God's not obligated to do what you say he should do, by the way. Last time I checked the word, he was God and I was not. And so God's not my beck and call to do whatever I say. But God can give me a word about a seemingly impossible situation and despite the impossibilities, I can still choose to believe and move down that track. You see the difference? Can you see the difference between presumption and authentic faith. They are two very different things. And lots of people get themselves in trouble through presumption. You know, sometimes Pastor Carl's going to be sticking around, but there's been lots of pastors who've had a vision, a building vision. And they raise, you know, hope to raise a few million dollars and they're, and they're gone in 18 months and the church has got a huge debt. That wasn't faith. That was presumption. And now the church has got to bear the, the uh, burden of that. But you're not going to let Pastor Carl go anywhere. I know that. He's, he's here. And in all honesty, I'm not saying this to trump myself up, but when we, when we bought our church property down in Hillsville, just between Josie and I, we said we're not going anywhere from Hillsville until this debt's paid. Till we own this church, till the church owns, we're not going anywhere. And praise God... A 15-year commitment was dealt with in seven years and we were free to go. But we didn't go, still didn't go. <laughs> but presumption and faith, two very different things. But authentic faith does see beyond impossibility. Authentic faith speaks out. Hebrews 11 and verse 13 and 14 says, And they admitted, they spoke, that they were aliens and strangers on the earth. People who say these things show they are looking for a country of their own. Authentic faith is not just seen in the lifestyle, but it is communicated, it is expressed. You'll want to testify. And it's good to equip ourselves to give a reasoned testimony. The most recent uh, sharpen that uh, Mark Drager uh, gave was focused exactly on that. 
to prepare your testimony, to be able to share your testimony. In uh, 1 Peter 3.15 we read, But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Two things there, be ready, be respectful. Be ready, be respectful. And courses like Alpha as well help to, to build in us a faith that can be communicated. If you've never done a, a, a witnessing course of some kind, a test me course of some kind, then can I encourage you to do it. Do it online if you like. Do it on um, uh, Reach Out Media. Right Now Media. Right Now Media. You can do it on Right Now Media. There'd be things there that you could, you could do. And not that we learn to be argumentative. An argumentative testimony will rarely work. Do you know nobody changes their mind because they lose an argument? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that in your marriage? Or in your friendships? We're moving on. Um, an argumentative testimony is not what we're looking for, but people will usually listen to your personal story as you communicate your faith. And every one of you here, every one of you here has a communicatable testimony. And it's as simple as this. Your life before you came to know Christ, this takes about five minutes to tell, or it can take three minutes to tell. Your life before you came to know Christ, how you came to know Christ, your life now with Christ. Very simple. And you know, nobody can argue with your testimony. Nobody will want to because it's your possession, it's your experience, and people will listen if it's done uh, with gentleness. So craft your story, try it. Go and see Mark and uh, he'll, he'll help you in uh, finding out more. Authentic faith doesn't live in the past. Authentic faith doesn't live in the past. Verse 15, if they'd been thinking of a country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Abraham had lots of reasons not to, not to go in the first place and he had lots of reasons to go back as well. Wealth, position, family, land, familiar things, all of the old stuff. But his faith took him forward and not back. Again, remember with Elisha and Elijah, Elisha sacrificed his oxen and burnt his ploughing stuff so that he couldn't go back. So this walk of faith is an, is an ongoing walk for every one of us. It's a, it's, it's a constantly going forward. We don't live in the past. Paul expressed it well in this and in his life as well, but he said this in Philippians 3, 13, 14. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to take, take a, taken hold of it, but this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, some of us may feel that past failures disqualify us from being a true man or woman of God. And that's never the case. Your failures are past events. They are not your destiny. They are not your future. They are simply past events. And we've all had failures. But sometimes we think that that, that disqualifies us in some way from being a man or woman of faith. But it does not. It does not. It, none of those things prevent you from right now fully entering into a life of faith with God. None of it. Don't care what it was. 
None of it stops you from entering into a, 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 a faith-filled journey with God. And the last thing that I see from these verses is that our authentic faith has no expiry date. It has no expiry date. Hebrews 11.13 says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. Still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Authentic faith is, is a lifelong thing. Keep in the race. Keep in the race. Don't let the devil discourage you and have you turning aside for time. Keep in the race. Jesus promised us, didn't he? Uh, as, we, as we're faithful to him, he said he will give to us the crown of life. And the really good news is that it's not just our gritty tooth determination that makes it happen, but the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us and gets alongside us and helps us with this race. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this, that he who begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He who begun it, God, will help us carry through to the end. That's what an authentic faith in Jesus looks like. It doesn't have an expiry date. I was with some of our seniors yesterday at Saturday Connect Breakup. And look, I was encouraged to see these folk, and many of them in their 60s, some in their 70s. I think there's somebody in their 90s, or almost in their 90s was in the group. Yes, is anyone going to own up? Okay. But it was fantastic to be there and witness the life and the, these, this group saying, well, we're, we're still on the journey. We're still on the journey. Our faith hasn't got an expiry date. As long as we're here, we're with Jesus. And when we're not here, we'll be with Jesus. You know? And it was exciting to be there and see that, that faith. And I'm many, I didn't get to hear everyone's story, of course, but I'm sure some of them there, their faith journey, even though it's now in their 80s, started in their teens or when they were kids, blitz kids. Is that right? Yeah, seeing some nodding heads. That's exciting. Exciting. 80 years of following Jesus. That's great. It's fantastic. So where does your faith lie today? Where's it, where's it at? Have you made that first step of giving your life to Jesus? As I said, if not, you need to do that. But to those who've already taken that step, where are we? Are you, are you really seeking? Are you really seeking by the power of the Holy Spirit to make your faith relevant to your everyday life? Is your faith in Christ still mainly in the realm of mental ascent or is it actually affecting your life each and every day? I just want to encourage you to do one simple thing throughout in the week. A little bit of homework. Can I just encourage you to set aside one hour? Most of us have got an hour somewhere. And just go through those seven aspects of authentic faith and just put down next to them one to five and just mark yourself one to five with five being the highest where you think you are in your life concerning that aspect of faith and then go back to your list and pick one of the low scores and then ask the Holy Spirit just pray and say God help me to grow in this area of faith don't try and do everything at once 
but just concentrate on any area and say, God, help me grow in this area of faith. Maybe it's that you do have too much focus on your material things. Maybe that's what God wants to talk to you about. I don't know. It's between you and God. But I encourage you to, to take that exercise and see what happens. Because I know one thing for sure, that God will meet you in that exercise. Because it's important to him. Because he says, without faith, it's impossible to please me. So he wants you to grow in your faith. He wants me to grow in my faith. It's important to him. I'm going to finish there and uh, just want to encourage you, if anyone would like prayer concerning anything I've shared about this morning, including prayer for salvation, then we're going to be here out the front or any other um, issues there and uh, we would love to pray with you. We're also going to pray for uh, the Red Frogs team. So we're going to be down here and praying for them after this service. So if you'd like to be part of that, then you can as well. But I want to invite you to uh, share in fellowship. Uh, there's a visitor's lounge uh, out there if you're visiting with us. And uh, just, just, uh, yeah, just get alongside people and encourage them. And particularly with people you don't know. It's a great, Sunday morning is a great opportunity to get alongside someone we don't know and say hi and get to know them. So God bless you. Have a, have a great rest of your day and uh, I pray it cools down at some point. God bless you.